Rodgers, almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the back. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Final Jason Jones from Mothership and there's a soccer some of the time. Joe Patrick and I'm trying the game and there's a soccer all the time is over there. Joe Patrick, Kurt Castle was on the intro. We've got to say that first. And then Thank we've you, got Kurt. to say that I remember what fun is. Yes. I, I was reminded of it today in my travels and my passings. And I looked Dude. at you, Joe Patrick, and, and thought, you know, maybe, just maybe. We can be happy again. Maybe. I love it. That warms my heart. We've been through some rough times, man. <laughs> I mean, it's been some it's been some sad days. And uh, yeah, today was just fun. The soccer was good. It was pretty lively media wise. Um, a lot of media members there. Mm-hmm. Um, just nothing to really complain about, I guess, other than injury. I mean, we're going to talk about some stuff, but yeah, it was just good, dynamic soccer. Fun players, young players. Proving that they're you know, worth everything, all the hype and all that. Uh, it's just so good. We'll, we'll go. I mean, we'll go through line by line, but um, so much to cover today. Whole lot to cover today. Before we get to that, though, we want to remind you guys that we have more stuff coming to you this week and already have a whole bunch of stuff ready for you at patreon.com slash five stripe final interviews and training ground reports coming to you this week sometime. We'll have all sorts of extra stuff covering everything Atlanta United after a big opening day win. Of course, a big game coming up against last year's Western Conference champions over in Colorado on Saturday. We'll have some stuff preview on that as well. Go and check it out and join the world-famous Five Stripe Final Discord while you're there, patreon.com slash Five Stripe Final. We're going to talk about the game, but first we're going to talk about a couple of business things. This is business time. Joe Patrick, it's a short one. It's a short one. Only real update I have for business time, unless you want to add some stuff into the business time segment that's called business time. I've said business time 12 times already. Uh, uh, Luis Araujo uh, picked up a knock. We don't really have any updates straight from the, the press conference, but Gonzalo Pineda did kind of mention that, you know, it didn't look super good, did it? No, it didn't. I actually watched the game back a little bit, at least the first half when I got home. Uh, from the game and I couldn't really tell exactly I was looking for the moment where it was pulled and I honestly could not tell Um, he did go to ground he took some sort of knock or something really right before he scored that goal Um, the the play turned over really quick and then he was but he sprinted in pretty quickly he certainly wasn't sprinting in on goal like Mm -hmm. he had a bum leg uh, and it was clearly clearly bothering him to the point where he couldn't hardly you know, even walk without a limp as soon as he started grimacing. So weird one. I'm not sure where it happened. I will say I'm not a doctor. I did stay at Holiday Inn Express last what night. What year is it? <laughs> that, um, you know, he I, I, I was keeping a close eye on him on the bench when he came off and they put a heat pack under his leg on his so on his hamstring, obviously. Gonzalo Pineda confirmed it was a hamstring injury and it was more closer to his knee. 
like on like you know uh, instead of be, uh, being up in the butt you know where you see a lot of hamstring pulls mm-hmm. um so i don't know what that means but it does probably is not good that it's like closer to the joint maybe like around some of the more thicker tendons there i don't know maybe an actual doctor could yeah, tell we, us we could ask there. an actual doctor we are not actual <laughs> doctors at all so we're not going to guess too much uh we will keep, keep yeah. you guys updated i'm sure twitter will this keep is, you guys it, updated he did walk off i did i mean yeah, it was slow I, but he walked off he, he, and he was in tears or it looked like he was oh, in really? tears. Okay. Um, and that had, it had some people really worried. I had a, a friend text me that was like, reminds me of Acuna. Oh God. <laughs> but you know, clearly it's not like a, a knee thing like that. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I think players just get upset because especially when he just went through this full preseason, got himself super fit and then to get hurt in the first 20 minutes of a game where that's going to just basically take all that fitness out of the equation. He's going to have basically have to rebuild himself back up again. So it's disappointing. Um, and I'm sure that that's why he was just really, really frustrated at that. Moment. I was literally constructing the tweet that said, Hey, my preseason MVP pick, Luis Arujo looking really good already. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it doesn't look like he's going to be able to, I would guess he misses at least a game or two at the very least. Yeah. I was yeah, I was yeah, at least a couple games I would say. He went out with a bang, man. I mean, that goal was <laughs> so slick. I mean, that was so beautiful from from Joseph to Louise. Um I you know, it's just it's so such a shame because it's that's exactly the kind of play we've been wanting yes. to see and then it's like, "Oh, and now we're not going to get that." At least from those two players in particular for some time, some period of time. Hopefully, we get some more news on it this week. Um, if it's bad, usually the club would would send out a press release saying that you know he's going to be out for a certain amount of time. They did that in 2017 when Joseph got hurt. He had the the quad injury, quad strain, and that's the thing with these soccer players. You know, a strain can be bad. Like it could be on the on the worse end. It could be two or three months. Like that's what Joseph was with his quad. So um, you know. Just pray that it's not something like that. Even like a six week thing, I'd be like, I would take that. Honestly, if you gave it to me right now, I would take six weeks. All right. Well, at least we got to see that goal you were talking about. Let's talk about that goal and a whole lot more right now. Joe Patrick in sports prime game time. Got to come up with a new sports prime game time song this year. Sports from game time, 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 Sports Prime game time, Joe Patrick, and I think we got to start with this. Was that the best game since like 2018? Dude, I was I was thinking about this. I was thinking about when's the last time the team looked that good. I mean, it's hard for me to know where to start even with this conversation. <laughs> First There's... half against Philadelphia and CCL yeah. last year. <laughs> yes. The famous amazing first half in which like, I don't think they scored a goal, <laughs> but they no, like played not. some really good soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, let me first just say that I think that this is the game that shows why you want to play with the back four, at least with this team. Um, yes. The three man midfield was beautiful. Like it allowed the team to pass around 
SKC in moments where I don't think they would have been able to do that in the past. And also not only were they were able to pass around SKC and then there was also it left them with like an extra player to then spray the ball out to. So again, when I was just rewatching it a little bit, like the ball would get pinged around in midfield and then Gutman would be just wide open on the flank and he would be able to carry it up. And even though he's not a technically a wing back, you know, a more aggressive type of fullback in a back five, when he has that much space, he's still going to be able to get forward a ton. And we saw him be able to do that. And I thought actually there was some really good balance between the fullbacks with Ronald Hernandez being a little bit more of a sitter, just playing a little bit more conservatively in that right back role while Gutman was really getting up and down. And I thought it helped. Um, but man, I mean, again, there's so many things to talk about with this game. I don't even know exactly where to start, but I think that just fundamentally for me, that midfield, that three man midfield, which is not even like a star studded midfield. It's just, it's Ozzy Alonso, Amar Sadich and Mateus Rosetto today. And they played phenomenally. And they, they played like they've, been playing together for a long time and um you got to give credit to all those guys you said you don't know where to start i think you started in exactly the right place i think that midfield was the most surprising thing for me today because it entered the day is kind of my biggest worry i i didn't yeah. know how that midfield three of what we well, assume to be and we're correct about alonso sage and Hosetsu. i didn't know how that was going to work out i didn't see a whole lot of ball winning ability in there that, that might be necessary against a team like Sporting Casey, obviously Ozzy can do it. We know Ozzy can do it. Um, Sadich is fine, I think, at it. And we know Hosetsu would rather just like die than tackle anybody, <laughs> I think. So I was worried. I was worried that we were going to get outpossessed. I was worried that we were going to be chasing the entire time. And I think that would have been the case in this setup we saw last year, if that 100%, makes sense. 100%. Right? Yep. It would have been the case and they would have been chasing that game the entire time. Instead, they came out from the very beginning on the front foot. I was shocked at how on the front foot they were. I was shocked at how much pressing there actually was going on. We knew this team would press, right? We knew those high pressing moments would come. We knew that there would be that resurgence of the quote unquote peach tree press that the DSS is going to try to brand and, and eventually make T-shirts and get that sweet, sweet <laughs> merch money. Right. Yes. We knew those things were going to happen in, in little spurts. Right. There were always going to be segments of the game that involved that. I didn't expect it to be the first segment of the game. And I didn't expect that first segment to last 20, 25 minutes before SKC really had a spell of possession. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, yeah. I, I will say that the moments did come better later when they were kind of sitting deep in transition, but those moments were created by that initial segment of pressing. And we can talk more about that as it goes on, but yeah, I will no, say it, I mean, it eventually worked out too, right? That first goal came when sporting Kansas city turned the ball over in a horrific position. And we got to see just how talented Joseph and Louise are. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. No doubt. Um, you know, and I, I think the other really impressive thing about this midfield was they were playing in a fundamentally different structure than they played in last year where you had actually it was the some of the, the central midfielders were helping out in wide areas. It was kind of a wider, flatter three at, at times, especially when they were off the ball. And what that allowed was it allowed for the forward players to really stay forward and be able to create those pressing moments. We saw many times where the wingers were on SKC's fullbacks and then able to um create a little bit of chaos for SKC because typically a fullback can be like a release valve, um, you know, as, as a player who's just not going to be tightly marked and Atlanta United was able to keep that pressure on them at times. 
you know, as, as you said, SKC, they ended up having, I think, 54 percent. So they had more possession, but it wasn't really a game where you felt like, you know, oh, Atlanta's getting out possessed in this game. And, and it, it, that definitely has happened in these last couple of years where it has felt like teams were dominating Atlanta United, even at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And Atlanta United was forced back, especially with that back five that really, uh, I think, kind of encourages players to, to fall back as opposed to in this shape, it kind of encourages players to be more on the front foot and get forward and kind of make something happen. And um, I got to give a special tip of the hat to Ozzy Alonso. I think that it all starts with him. Yes. I mean, the way that he was able to kind of just lock down midfield cover spaces. Um, everyone and their mother is going to be making the Jeff Lorenowitz comparisons, but it's because it's true. Like it's like legitimately it felt like Jeff Lorenowitz was back in that team. Justin Ozzy, Ozzy Alonso was everywhere you expected a player to be, or you, whenever you, you need an Atlanta United player to be covering a space felt like Ozzy Alonso was that guy was, all, was also doing a great job recycling the ball with George Campbell and miles Robinson, the center backs in possession. So it was just that again, that's the, that's where the building, the, the cornerstone of any team is built right there. And that kind of, defensive midfield area and um you couldn't have a better player for it it looks like right now Ozzy Alonso took 11 whole minutes before his first yellow card with Atlanta United <laughs> incredible incredible looking at his passing chart looking at his uh defensive actions chart you, you're exactly right he was everywhere he was everywhere and the mobility is something that's really encouraging to me because if you could have Jeff Lorenowitz with added mobility and added ability on the ball that's a really, really yeah. good thing. And I think that's what we've got in Ozzy Alonso with maybe even more crazy guy in the fight in him. I, I think it's pretty calculated maybe. from him, <laughs> right? Like he, he, he knows what he's doing when he clatters into somebody and launches them into the fifth row and then holds his hands up and says, <laughs> was it me? I, I don't know what, what you guys are so mad about, that. right? I love yeah. it. I would hate him if he yeah. was on any other team. I love him dearly. No one, no one is ever allowed to be mad at Ozzy from here on out. You noted the the <laughs> rotation and kind of the interesting shape of the midfield. I'm I'm looking again at the charts right now. Marsadich got a little more vertical than everyone else and was pretty spread out across the field. I mentioned Ozzy's coverage was all the way across the field. Interestingly enough, Mateus Husetu was pretty much just on the right side, which I, I think yeah. is really kind of interesting. I'm not quite sure exactly why that is but it might be something to kind of keep in mind as we go along to see what kind of rotations continue to come out of that midfield my theory is the reason that he ended up out there quite a bit was because of the loss to Varouju where he, since he wasn't out there and you have Dom Dwyer coming in to replace him who's a, more of a normal striker that I just felt like maybe Mateus thought that or I, I, I don't know if this was planned it should, would have been a good question to ask Gonzalo Pineda after the game if that was actually like a tactical um, choice that was made or if that was just kind of natural by Mateus Rosetto to go over and help support Dom Dwyer a little bit on that right side. But, you know, I thought I thought actually Rosetto played played well. And I thought I think that, you know, unfortunately, this circumstance isn't going to be there for him every week. But I really think that it helps his game to be to have more license to kind of go forward and just be more of a an all around kind of attacking midfielder type um, that, that can go forward and create and doesn't have to worry about sitting back and protecting the ball, keeping possession, because that's when we see him become really repetitive and predictable. And, you know, just the side to side passing that mm -hmm. isn't doing much. thought he was much more kind of creative in this game, like we saw in, in the game against Birmingham. To some extent, to some extent, I think I'm looking at the, again at the chart and it is pretty consistently 
lateral backwards, everything like that. But remember, he's figured out that if he gets far enough forward on the pitch, he can still pass the ball backwards and get an assist. I think that's a big key. Well, yeah, we were joking. <laughs> we were joking about that. Yeah, yeah. I think it was more. I'm more just kind of thinking about like where he was positionally, sure. you know, and 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 the way he was kind of uh, exploiting Absolutely. space. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned one thing, and I think we should talk about it because it really impacted the game in a, in a unique way. And we already kind of talked about it a little bit with the implications for potentially Atlanta United going forward. But within the context of the game, the Luis Araujo injury was extremely interesting because we talked about how pinned back SKC seemed from the start. And it was really interesting to see their hesitancy to get forward because they were concerned about what Luis could do. Right. That they really seemed kind mm-hmm. of pinned back. Of course, Daniel Shallowy playing on that wing, had to drop a little deeper to cover uh, and help out for Logan and Dembe, who was the left back for SKC, making his first career MLS start, right? They, they kind of knew that they had a lot to deal with there, and it kind of kept Shallowy and Johnny Russell to some extent, who was kind of switching around too, pinned back a little bit, right? And it yeah. didn't really work yeah. out because they turned the ball over in that horrific spot to lead to that first goal, and so it didn't matter in the first place, right? Then Louise goes off, mm-hmm. right? And they say, okay, it's Dom Dwyer. Dom Dwyer hasn't scored <laughs> in quite literally two years. Let's inch forward. <laughs> let's let's kind of move up. Let's not, <laughs> let's not really worry about him. And then Dom freaking Dwyer scored when he wanted for Atlanta United. Maybe not the first time. He missed the first shot. But he got into a lot of yeah. space. Because they really, really started to lay off that side. They started to inch forward. Shallowy got forward more and Dembe got forward more. Uh, Espinosa, who was also over there, didn't really bother with him. And there was just Dom Dwyer open. And Joseph Martinez now dropping back more since there was a second striker. Essentially playing, you could maybe call it like a a 10. Kind right? of a number 10. Yeah. I guess you would say it's a sure. false nine. But yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, whatever it was, it was freaking Plays awesome. This long diagonal <laughs> and finds Dom Dwyer who murks a dude. Yeah. It might have been Fontes, which is hilarious because I, I spent all year last year hyping up Andre Fontes. Murks a dude <laughs> and then, and then scores. It, unreal. Right. And it's weird how those things incredible. kind of all connected to lead to a second goal for Atlanta United and really put the game away at that point, honestly. That goal was so huge. You could not have written it any better. Like if you were Darren Eels and you would and you could say or Gonzalo Pineda, I don't know why I said Darren Eels. And you could say what like create a when would you want Dom Dwyer to score his first goal and how would you want that? You would want it to happen in his first mm-hmm. game, his first opportunity to play. You would want it to happen right before halftime and you would probably want it to happen you know, to give you a two goal lead going into halftime. I mean. That goal was so huge in the way that it changes the game. It, cha- you know, whenever there's a goal scored right before halftime, it always kind of throws any halftime plans into flux a little bit. It gets players on edge emotionally. Um, that is a big deal. And then obviously for him, just confidence wise to after having not scored a goal since what, September of 2019. Mm-hmm. I've been joking that like the pandemic wasn't even around by the time when he scored when, last time he scored a goal. Um to, to just get that feeling of confidence that, you know, you were bring you were brought in to score goals and you did your job in the first opportunity that you had. I mean, that's going to got to be such a huge confidence boost for him. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just a, it's a great spot to have somebody like that instead of uh, a Kubo Torres. <laughs> Dom Dwyer is now officially outscored Kubo Torres and Jurgen Dom in Atlanta United uniform. It took him about 20 minutes. 
So there we go. <laughs> there we go. I'll add to that. In addition to any, by the way, he had, he had a couple other chances and opportunities to score too. wasn't able to make it happen, but I mean, it's good to just see him getting in those. I mean, those, that's all you uh, want from, uh, a, from that second striker, right? You don't need him to be mm-hmm. finishing like significantly right. above XG. You just need to, him to be getting yep. chances, right? And, and Atlanta yep. United got a ton of chances today. 2.4 XG to 1.4 XG for sporting Kansas City. I'll add to, to the confidence idea for, for Dwyer. He looks really good physically, I thought. He moved well. Mm, he, yeah. he seemed in shape. He seemed to be explosive. I thought that was encouraging, right? Because he really hasn't been too healthy, hasn't been too consistent over the last couple of years. If he can be a viable option and has worked himself back into a place physically where he can be a viable option, that's really encouraging. And, you know, sometimes that happens with players when you you leave. You know, he can't, went to Orlando with kind of huge amount of pressure. Mm-hmm. I think Orlando had made what was a, an MLS league record uh, trade for him in terms of the allocation money they gave up. He was kind of the, the, the franchise <laughs> uh, to a certain extent, like outside of some of the DPs. They, they met signed. him I mean, at he was the a airport. Huge part of it. Like hundreds of them <laughs> met him at the airport. Yeah. He was, he was supposed to be a big deal. And then obviously things kind of deteriorated there and, you know, you just never know how, a move like this can impact a player. And he even said in the postgame press conference, he was like, you know, 20 something, whatever teams, you know, passed on me. I was a free agent and Atlanta was the one that took the chance. So, you know, I think that he does feel like he has a bit of a chip on his shoulder. Um, and if you have a player who has a, a goal scoring track record, which he does, um, that comes in with renewed energy, renewed fitness, and just kind of that, uh, a sense that they're not the player they've been for the last few years, but they want to prove themselves as the player they were earlier in their careers. I mean, that could be a huge, huge boost for Atlanta United. And when you talk about players like that, a player like Ozzy Alonso, you know, despite the fact that Atlanta United signed Tiago Almada, who will un- undoubtedly be a, a super important part of this team. Like those are the kinds of signings that can really change the trajectory of a team or at least make a team go from, a team that's, you know, borderline playoffs or whatever to a team that's an actual championship caliber team, because what this game really showed is that Atlanta United had strength and depth. They had players like Dom Dwyer who were able to step in for players that were missing or players that got hurt during the game and put in a great performance that got them a, a great result. So um, it's just really, really impressive from him individually. But also, I just think collectively, it's a huge boost for the, the team. subs are excellent today. I mean, you look at yeah. you look at oh, Dwyer. Yeah. We'll talk about Caleb Wiley in a moment. You had Marcy come on as a sub as well. And you had Brooks come on as a sub. We should maybe talk about the fact that the entire plane seems to be made out of fullbacks now. We thought it was going to be made out of, as, uh, <laughs> as Akshay called it, dribbly boys. Instead, it's just fullbacks. Yeah. I kind of like it. I kind of like it. it. It's a different vibe for sure, but they were excellent today. Uh, obviously, that will change some as the year goes along. Is I think we'll see maybe Hasetu, maybe Sadich go to the bench a little more. As folks kind of come mm-hmm, back, sure. but those are still good depth guys. Obviously, I mean, they proved it today. They can come in and do the right things at the right time. Right. I mean, think, think about the players that you still have. Santiago Sosa, Emerson Hyman, Franco yeah. Bart, like those, that's just in midfield. Like there are so many players still to come into this team. And the guys that went out there today proved themselves against a good sporting yes. Kansas City team. I mean, that was it's just really, really exciting based on what yeah, we let's saw not today. Forget, I mean, this is a sporting Kansas City team that nearly won the conference. Last year, won the conference the year before. Yeah. They aren't going to be as good as this year. I'm going to be honest. They're just not. Not to like put a damper sure, on anybody. Sure. They're just not going to be as good as the, this year. But their ceiling is always, or their floor, excuse me, is always extremely high. Because it's Sporting Kansas right. Stadium. Exactly. Yeah. Right? So anytime you go out there 
and you thump them, they don't get thumped, y'all. That's not a thing that really yeah. happens. And Elaine and I did that today. It was extremely encouraging. Everything was extremely encouraging. Everything was well executed. There was an energy to everything that Atlanta and I did, didn't have any point I can remember in like the last two years. Right. And that comes from mm-hmm. one, the talent level two, a clear understanding of the ideas being presented, coupled with the fact that they played in front of 67,000 people. Right. That was the best crowd I think mm-hmm. we've had in a long, long time, Joe Patrick. Huge. People were actually there. You, you said, yeah, you said energy. And I was going to say there was also energy in the stands as well. I mean, there were like the whole place felt energized in a way that we haven't felt. I mean, I think that the, there was excitement for the beginning of the Gabriel Heinz era for sure, because we didn't obviously know what was going to come. But at that time, you still had kind of the COVID thing hanging over there. So there still wasn't the the real buzz. It was just a shame that it was kind of a rainy, crappy day today, because if it was like a bright and sunny day, I feel like, you know, there would have been so much like tailgate. And I again, maybe there was I'm sure there was a ton of tailgating going on today, but it was just like it was just a really great crowd. Um, and that's got to be pleasing to to Darren Eels and Gonzalo Pineda and the player like just everybody. Me, <laughs> I'm excited to see it. So there, I mean, there was it's really hard to like be. um down on anything that really happened today to be perfectly honest other than some of the circumstantial stuff like Louise's mm-hmm. injury but um man it was just so so encouraging let's to talk see. about another player who we haven't really even mentioned yet who i thought was not only extremely encouraging from our point of view but was extremely encouraging to the fans both in attendance the fans watching seems to be kind of an instant fan favorite which we got to pat ourselves on the back for this one i think joe patrick we've been telling y'all we've been telling y'all Kind of said it from and the first game, from the first preseason Andrew Gutman's game. Andrew a dude. Yeah. He is. He is. And you really called it more than I did. I was excited about Andrew Gutman the first time I watched him for Red Bulls. I went, oh, shit. Mm. <laughs> he, he's doing all of this, isn't <laughs> he? Yes, alone? exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's doing all of this. So we, we understood why I was alone. We understood we wanted it with Bellow to get better and yeah. everything like yeah. that. But we've talked about this many times on the Patreon, patreon.com slash five stripe final that for all of George's ceiling, for all of George's talent right now and their progressions and their places in this point in time on this timeline in the universe, Andrew Gutman is a more effective soccer player. He just is. He he plays he plays like his hair is on fire, except his hair has already been Patrick. burnt yep. off of his head, so he just doesn't have any hair mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. I mean, the guy plays with incredible intensity, and I couldn't believe like just the stamina too to kind of play with that intensity for the duration of the game was just incredible and he didn't have an easy task going up against Johnny Russell on that left side I mean that's a tough player to kind of keep in your pocket and you know of course he had some moments but you know he was all he was just getting up and down the field and just the way he was putting his body uh into challenges and things it was it was really impressive and I'm glad you said uh, what a lot of fans were thinking too because Fans definitely noticed that. Um, I wrote in my player ratings that he was almost my man of the match because I, I actually thought he was that good, despite the fact they didn't have a goal or assist or anything. Um, it was just so noticeable. I don't, I, I don't know exactly what it was, other than the just the general intensity of his general play. intensity and a directness too. We talk, we, I mean, we mentioned it just a second ago. Why is he on loan with Red Bulls? Well, it sure helps if you're on loan at Red Bulls if you learn how to be intense for ninety minutes and realize how to play direct. Mm-hmm. 
right? I'm not saying Atlanta United was playing mm-hmm. the long game there. I'm not going to give them that much credit. This is five strike final. We can't give them that much credit. <laughs> we know that. But there were a lot of Red Bullsy things happening today with Andrew Gutman. That that directness, the willingness to, to take chances going forward, the willingness to run into space, the willingness to, to leave his position. I, I saw some folks complaining about him being out of position. Get out of here. Stop. This is what we've been asking for is for a player <laughs> yeah. who can get forward and be aggressive right. and not be hesitant in, in key situation. Did it get him in trouble a couple of times? Yeah, a little bit. But at the same time, Johnny Russell, 15 goals, eight assists last season. I don't remember him doing a goddamn thing. So, you know what, Andrew, yeah. do you, man? And if, if you're in that position and you're never, quote unquote, out of position, then you're not threatening you're probably not really doing <laughs> much of anything i mean well i don't know ronald, ronald hernandez i guess you could say he was never out of position in the game and he was he did pretty solid but that's why you like kind of want one of them to be more conservative like we were talking about earlier and then you have andrew gutman who's gets more up and down you've got cover that's why you've got that's why you play in a zonal system where you've got guys who can slide over and cover spaces like we were talking about with ozzy alonzo so it all works it, it, and you know andrew gutman we, we mentioned it during the game he was getting into those those primary mm-hmm. assist zones he got into them uh, two or three times one time very consciously so like it seemed like he <laughs> yes. was about to cross the ball and went wait no shit i need to be five yeah. feet this yeah. way <laughs> and then yeah. casually walked the ball it was, like the- he, it was like he changed lanes you know <laughs> <laughs> turned his blinker on and everything yeah. thank you andrew gutman oh it was a blast to watch he's a ton of fun and i think he's gonna keep up that intensity that is just him all the time that that's what he does so excited about that. I think it's an improvement. Now, the real question, Joe Patrick, this comes from our very own Rob Ushry, who had a similar thought to what I've been, frankly, too afraid to say, which is that. Do you want to guess, actually, what this is? You kind of seem like you, you kind of know where I'm going. Here. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just really excited to hear based on the way you <laughs> teed this up. Is Ronald Hernandez a more effective right back than Brooks Lennon? Oh, this is a great conversation. This is a great conversation. Because I think that in this back four, he is a better fit. Like his profile is a better fit as a right back and a back four on this particular team than he would be like an assistant they were playing last year where he had a lot more, obviously, you know, freedom to get forward. And, you know, his job was really to just run up and down the sideline uh, where this year seems like Ronald Hernandez is more the right kind of player you want with an Andrew Gutman on the other side, uh, I can get on board with that. I mean, I really can. And that's it's not a slight against Brooks Lennon. It's just the different. It's just that he's a different kind of player than Ron Hernandez. And I think Ron Hernandez's overall profile just fits the position and the role, what they need there a little bit better right now. Joe Patrick, we're doing it again. We're being mean to Brooks for like no reason. <laughs> Brooks did nothing wrong. Well, Dude, I actually I, Brooks, I thought had a great game today. I thought uh, when he came too. in on that on that right side. The way he was delivering the crosses to me was noticeably different. And it was every time he was putting them in early, hard, low on the ground, which is not what we ever would have seen from Brooks Lennon. He was always serving him up like kind of floaters a little bit late. You know, we talked about it so much at one point. I remember I asked him a question about it, kind of like hinting. At like what he might could do better, and, and like I was kind of like, you know, what if this saves the team? What if my question right here, where I'm like, hey man, you got you got a lot of key passes, but not a whole lot of assists. Why do you think that is? It, maybe it did. you lead them right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. This, this is the thing in in, in uh, the best uh, reality show ever, Survivor. Mm-hmm. The way you survive the show is by 
um, getting the other players to do what you want, but you you actually make it seem like it was their idea <laughs> to do the thing that you wanted. That's the, that's the real mind games. I feel like that's what you did there. Well, look, so, look I, I doubt it was really me, but I will say <laughs> that, you know, watching Brooks play forward, which is the position he started at, right? When he came over mm-hmm. yep. from Liverpool back to RSL, he's in the RSL Academy, went to Liverpool, mm-hmm. came back to RSL. He started as a forward. And when they mm-hmm. signed him, they they mentioned him as a player who could play all along the attacking front, which kind of makes me laugh now, considering the, how we've oh. utilized him. Right. <laughs> yeah. So they see we've see him at forward, which is something that Gressel used to do a lot of the time. And they get comped together all the time for numerous reasons. Right. It's, it's encouraging to see because he, he looked effective. And I think part of the reason that he was getting crosses in low and early is that he was in a position to do it. Right. He, he yeah. simply wasn't yep. as comfortable getting quite that forward when he was in that wing back position in the back three, in the back five, whatever it is. And it showed that, that he was able to, to get in those positions where he was kind of in front of where uh, the SKC back line had set up and it allowed him to play those crosses early. Maybe they talked mm-hmm. to them a little bit about it. We can ask him, you know, going forward. But, mm-hmm. you know, having him as an option to, to play on the wing off the bench with Hernandez being very, very comfortable back there, right back. It's not the worst thing. Well, I think this con- this conversation that we're having with Hernandez and Lennon is like it- it's a perfect example of the strength of this team where you've got different profiles of players that really kind of complement each other well. So you've got a- two different types of right backs in Brooks Lennon and Ronald Hernandez. Um, you have Ronald Hernandez who can play on the right side or the left side. You know, you've got all these different players who can play in different ways. I could totally see Brooks Lennon coming on in more games in the future where he doesn't start the game, but he comes on after 60 minutes for Louise or Joseph or somebody um, and plays on that right wing and does exactly what he did today, which is just get up, you know, get up that right side, wear out a fullback on tired legs and put in those those crosses. Um, Could totally see that could see him starting it right back in in some games. I think there's going to be plenty of minutes that go around for the players on this team. And I just hope that, you know, everybody can kind of stay happy with what they get. But I I think that there's just so much variability in the the components of this roster that it's just really, really exciting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, uh, a little side anecdote. So on Brooks Lennon and the kind of his position. So. Very much a tangent. When I first became a Tottenham fan, this is like back in like 2009. Um, I remember this YouTube video where they were like doing like a crossbar challenge or whatever. And so the players would like go up to the camera and they would like say their name and their position. And then they would like kick the ball. And it was Gareth Bale. He's like, Gareth Bale, left side. And it literally said, <clears throat> under, like on the little graphic said Gareth Bale in position, left side. And I feel like that's like, <laughs> that's Brooks Lennon. Like he's just, he's, he plays on the right side. Mm-hmm. Somewhere yeah, you yeah. just figure out a spot. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that, that's a luxury to have for sure. It's not quite my theory to get him into midfield, but it's one <laughs> step closer. It's one step closer. Joe Patrick. He uh, could have played like a Mateus Rosetto style midfield today. He could have just like he could. And I think he would have been in more kind of defensive work. You, yeah. you can't tell me that he wouldn't. Yeah. I'm going to talk myself sure. into this. I'm going to continue talking myself into this. And then one day it's going <laughs> to come to fruition. Gonzo, uh, we, we know you're listening. We know you're listening. <laughs> Let's talk about a couple of other folks right quick. Joe Patrick. I want to talk about George Campbell. This may be one of our more negative conversations today. I think I thought he struggled at times of possession. I thought he made choices that were very preseasony. 
at points. It's not to say he can't fix that. It's just that he probably needs to be a little sharper the next time he gets an opportunity. I don't know when that will be. I don't know when Alan Franco will be back. But when Alan Franco is back, he will take over for Campbell. And Campbell probably needs to take a better, better and more careful uh, decisions from here on out, if I have to so, say. So I think Alan Franco will you know, obviously take his spot back. He's the, he's the starter, but uh, I, I got to say, I did not get that at all from George Campbell today. I okay. thought he was excellent. Uh, it, was there some, was there a moment or something or that stands out to you that as uh, that kind of just a couple of passes that, that were yeah. the wrong choice at the right time or the wrong time and a general feeling he, in, in preseason that yeah. he, he didn't look super, super comfortable on the ball. He's the third center back on your team. He doesn't necessarily have to be a world beater. It's just that me and yeah. Felipe were sitting next to each other and grumbled a couple times about it. So I thought we should mention it because we can't be positive <laughs> all the way through. <laughs> right. I actually I thought George can't. I think you're right that there were probably a couple um, misplayed passes like, yeah, picking the wrong player. But I, I actually think that he was just maybe a little bit over aggressive in some of the okay. uh, some of the choices he was making, because I think some of them actually worked out pretty well. Um but yeah, I mean, you definitely could be right. I'd have, to, I'd have to go watch it back. But I got to say, I just didn't have any. Uh, he seemed totally fine to me. I thought that the, the back two was very good, especially considering that Miles Robinson picked up an early yellow card, which is always kind of scary. And then Ozzy had one, as you mentioned, in the 11th minute. They were both booked at that point. Um, so to play next to a, a center back who's got on a yellow card, you know, I, I, I can't fault George Campbell too much. I think that's fair. I think that's a much more fair and measured take than my. Oh, no, he seemed bad take. So. <laughs> I think you won that one. Well, I kind of get it because like you never want to be you always want to like, yeah, keep your guard up for you don't want to get too enamored with what you just saw. But yeah, for sure. I thought it was great. I, I would say Gazan was the guy. I was about was to say that. Guy, like, that was yeah, the next was, one I was moving to was uh, <laughs> Brad's distribution was a struggle bus. And at one point he like skied the ball over Brooks Lennon and Brooks turned his back. Right. Brooks is like, whatever the play's over. Let's let's figure out how to defend this throw in. Brad continued gesturing, right? Like wildly. And then Gonzalo <laughs> caught his eye, I think, and gestured back at him. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and you just That's fucking amazing. boomed it. What are you doing? <laughs> so That's amazing. Brad did not have his best day. That's he had a missed punch okay. in the first half, too. That he did. Like really it could have really turned really into to, it could have changed the entire frame of the game. Yeah, it really could have. Yeah. Really, really good. And of course, that should we talk? I guess we do kind of have to mention that that chance came on a corner and then the goal came on a corner where Mateus has had to didn't yeah. really do the best job of like, yeah, trying. Uh, and Daniel Shallowy <laughs> scored pretty <laughs> easily, <laughs> scored pretty easily. Yeah. That that is a relatively concerning trend considering what happened in the it playoff game. Is a trend, yeah, you know, yeah. Where, where NYCFC was able to recycle possession off offset pieces a couple of times and Atlanta shut down. It's just something mm-hmm. to keep an eye on. It's not the worst thing. Yeah, for sure. Again, 3-1 sure. win. Uh, I think we had largely positive things to say about almost everything in this one. Good stuff. I got no complaints, really, except the complaints I had. That's just me, though. That's just me. Joe Patrick, the people have questions about this, and we'll get to those in just one moment. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Before we get into the questions, which we're going to do in a second. First of all, we got to say, Sam, we are so excited that Lucid FC is back on board for how many seasons is this with Lucid? 
I think I think, we, I think when things are so experiential, Joe, you, you start to lose track of how <laughs> the seasons roll. The seasons roll. That became that became a big thing, Joe Patrick. You're experiential to say the least. Uh, yeah, tagline my... for for Lucid. I don't think that's their actual tagline. I think that's your tagline, and that has become the calling hey, card get... for our listeners for for Lucid FC. As as a sponsor, I feel like, or not as a sponsor. What, what do you call us? A sponsoree. A sponsor. Sure. Anyway, we we get to help build the brand. We get to we get to create uh, some of their experiential mm. experiences. Uh, no, but we're seriously we're happy to be back with them. Um, they're an Atlanta founded company, uh, based uh, or founded by two twin guys, Chet and Betts. Met both of them, great guys. Um, they hooked me up with a bunch of clothes a couple of years ago, and I still wear it to this day. Mm. Uh, a lot of their stuff, um, and. Uh, Great opportunity for everybody who wants to buy from lucidfc.us, which is their website. Uh, enter code DSS at shipping and you get some free shipping if you're in the United States, which we assume everybody is. So uh, glad to be back on board with Lucid FC. And we might be picking out some clothes uh, later on this season as we as we keep going. So we can just pick out some of our favorites stuff that we like. I like you'll, you'll notice all of my stuff will be the most like <laughs> well, not that they have anything terrible on there, but it will be like the most muted, just plain stuff because I don't wear mm-hmm. colors. Fair enough. Fair enough. You noticed that today? I was just wearing total like gray. <laughs> just dark, I, I didn't just take like, stock of your outfit this time, Joe, but I'll make sure next time and I'll, I'll compliment when, you if I approve of it. I, I, I went and met Chet and Betts and they were like, what's your style? I was like, mm, I don't really have style. And they're like mm-hmm. muted. <laughs> and I said, yeah, that sounds good. Muted. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. No, they've got a lot of really but, good stuff. Uh, honestly, thanks to Lucid like, for uh, being back with us. Much cooler uh, friends yeah. would would eat up all of it. I like a lot of it um but go check it out it's really solid for sure we're glad sure. They're, they're partnering with us and i'm glad we can get to continue saying experiential to say yes the least yes. experiential to say the least were a lot of these questions joe patrick we had some good God, ones. the segue king i gotta say <laughs> well, we've been doing this a few years man i i had to get good at this at some point or i was gonna That's drown right. in, in this and <laughs> all of this uh, let's start with this and we'll start appropriately, I think, with with Kurt Castle. Kurt Castle, first question of the year, I think well deserved, yes. well earned. It's like getting the captain's armband from <laughs> Five Strike Final, in my opinion. It's it's relatively pointless, but also is it? Is it? This Kurt- is just like special, this is like special Kurt tier. Um <laughs> of just yes. like Kurt Castle. first question. Spotify, go check him out. He probably has a show coming up soon. Go see Kurt. Kirk Castle asked this. I know it's early days and this is a lot to ask off one match, but am I crazy or did it seem like we had a collective shape and plan that made our team more than the sum of its parts? And the answer is yes. This was not couldn't have said it better. A full strength Atlanta United team. And they looked better than any full strength Atlanta United team has in the last two, three years. They look so cohesive. I was it is it a stretch to say, and we may have kind of touched on this in the early, beginning of the episode, but is it a stretch to say that this was like the most cohesive midfield unit that we've seen since 2019? I mean, I think that's definitely true since 2019. Um, yeah, no, I, don't, I don't think it's so really I a think, question. Yeah, I mean, it just seemed and again, these aren't like star players. I'm not trying to like, you know, crap on a Marseille to anything, but I mean, they've got certain qualities and what they were able to do was really show the qualities they had to the best of their extent while hiding the, their flaws. And that's exactly what you want. I can frame that they're not star players projection from you, Joe Patrick, a Marseille, 
and Ozzy Alonso, if you took their salaries and put them together, that's worth one tenth of Jurgen Dom's contract. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and that was who was in Lady United's midfield today. Plus his tattoo is only wow. he's on like 600K or something like that. Wow. Right. And technically a Marseille's contract doesn't even mean anything. So he's he's on the supplemental roster. He's on the supplemental so technically roster, it's a right, zero yeah. budget, exactly. zero charge. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> that that was the midfield they put out today and it still worked effectively. I am extremely excited to see what it looks like at full strength because if we can take the full strength version of Atlanta United and make it more than some of its parts, that is Joe Patrick, that's a supporter shield level team, right? Yeah. That may not happen immediately yeah. and it may not happen sure. soon enough for Atlanta United to be sure. really seriously involved in the supporter shield race, but it's a supporter shield level team. And that's really, mm-hmm. really encouraging to think about. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. And again, I want to say it again, Kurt, I couldn't have said it better than the way you said it, where it's just the because of the shape and the tactics, the team was more than more than the sum of its parts. Absolutely. Jonathan asked this. He says, have you ever seen that many guys consistently in the box in the last two, three years? Lennon at mid looks like it could be fun. I included this question largely for that last part, because, yes, we're going to get Brooks Lennon at midfield one day. Here we go. You and me, Jonathan, <laughs> to the moon, man, to the moon. I mean, he's. Jonathan's right though like the end of that game especially even though I don't like I guess the Wiley goal what, what they did they did score on but like it kind of felt like 2018 where it was like when teams are chasing a game and Atlanta is just punishing them on the mm-hmm. counterattack and mm-hmm. getting those balls in like it burst like they could have scored they could have scored four in this game um you know they had other chances they definitely could have put up more more goals than they did which you can always say for any game but um yeah well, man it was just oof, it was good well Joe Patrick remember the 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 tag for this year, right, for, for FSF was going to be getting the bleeping box, right? We, we were going to say, not politely, what Gonzalo Pineda has been politely trying to say, right? And we figured mm-hmm. that might take a second. But that wasn't the case today. People were getting in the box. They were there. It, it was from different angles. It was from different positions. It was from different depths. The runs were coming from different depths. Right. There was so much variance. Mm -hmm. There was so much variance into how the ball was being played into the box. Right. Like if you go and look at like the the chances created and the shots that resulted in chances, there's chances coming from the wing. There's chances coming from zone 14. There's little things like that that are really encouraging. Right. We don't have a clear picture of it yet, but the really fuzzy picture looks really good. Looks really, really good. Right. Keep doing Mm -hmm. that. Mm hmm. And with better mm-hmm. players soon, it'll be even better. <laughs> I promise. Uh, let's go to this one. Uh, Rubber Anchor asks, I'm a noob, still learning my soccer tactics. So sorry if this is a dumb question. There are no dumb questions. No dumb questions. On Five Strike Final, except is Peter Vermes a secret agent? Stop asking, guys. Stop asking. <laughs> he says this. I from th- Small Soldiers. The, the, ba- <laughs> the, the bad guy, army guy from Small Soldiers. Rubber Anchor says, <laughs> I think everyone expected Atlanta to play in a low box block and attack and transition but this seemed like a high press and attacking in transition doesn't that make it harder to have players available to make the runs forward and get everyone tired sooner so essentially what he's asking like can you attack and transition when you're a great question like that mm-hmm. joe patrick mm-hmm. thoughts yeah yes you can um i think that a lot of people confuse 
trans the word transition because of its terminology used in basketball where it's like you know you're 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 transitioning and you're getting up the court from your defensive where you you know when you were playing defense and therefore you're you know you're sprinting up the court um and in soccer there is that if you're playing it you can transition by playing in a low block especially off of uh, opponents corner kicks you can get a lot of transition moments when we saw Atlanta get a couple of those in this game um but the word transition should really be thought of more as like when you re- when you get the ball and the defense is unorganized. So you can actually be in a transition moment when you win the ball very high up the field. It just means that you have received the ball and you have an opportunity to attack because the opponent is not in position. They're not in their defensive shape. That to me is really what transition means. And so, yeah, that can obviously happen everywhere. And we saw that happen with Atlanta United in this game. We saw them turning SKC over in midfield. That's how that's what led to the first goal. That first goal was a perfect example of that. It really was because as soon as Atlanta United recovered the ball in a great position, again, terrible pass, awful decision from Sporting Kansas City. As soon as they got the ball, though, they knew where to go with it. They knew Mm -hmm. how to create that transition moment. There was no hesitation where there would have been hesitation last year. Right. Watch Seattle play when they're not losing to Nashville. They just lost to Nashville. Watch Seattle play when they're playing well. Right. When they recover the ball, they immediately know where to go with it to go ahead and start that transition moment wherever they are on the pitch. And Atlanta United made those decisions today. And, and that yeah. high pressing example you're talking about, Joe, was a really, really good look at that. And it can be extremely yeah. effective. I thought Gonzalez's comments on transition moments too after the game were really interesting. It wasn't included in the quote sheet, which I was really disappointed in because mm-hmm. I, I don't want to go back and transcribe it. But it was a really good answer on what he feels about this team's ability to transition. Yes, I kind of do. I, I'll paraphrase as best I can here. Um, but he essentially talked about where Atlanta's line of confrontation is kind of set up to some extent. Right. Again, I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, we want to we want to be on the front foot. It's never our plan to be sitting back, to be stuck back. Right. But mm-hmm. when we have players as good in transition as we are. It's not really a bad thing for us to be stuck back. And, and you saw yeah. that in the second half, especially when Atlanta United started creating chances that came from Sporting Kansas City chasing the game and getting drawn forward. Right. They're going to be mm-hmm. very comfortable in that. It, it may not be the, the primary choice of Gonzalo Pineda to be sitting in a mid or low block. Right. Which is essentially just where the team is set up mm-hmm. on, on the field. You can, you can look at it and say, OK, they're they're deep towards their own box, low block. Right. Something up there, but you can look at that <laughs> and, and you can take stock of it. Right. So even if you're yeah. a, a tactics noob, you can pick up on these things and you can recognize kind of immediately that United can execute them effectively. Yeah, I got to say just on on, you know, quote unquote tactics noob, I kind of love I almost kind of wish I was still. I remember like when these things started clicking for me for the first time, um, like some of these tactical things, these tactical concepts, it's like such a kind of a cool feeling to finally like understand more about what I'm seeing. Um, and so I'm kind of jealous that it's almost almost like when you see like a really great movie and you wish you could like see it for the first time again, kind of like that. So um, rubber anchor, enjoy it. <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, Bad boy asked this. Says we've got a couple questions for us at first we'll get to this first one he says thoughts on midfield i saw some love for osetsu but it still seemed like he killed ford momentum at times i'm gonna go backwards rather than springing someone sprinting into space i think we kind of talked about that a little bit i thought he was maybe 
less progressive th- than Joe did. And we kind of touched on that a little bit. Uh, back up and fair. listen to that. I think bad boys criticism is fair. And yeah, which is what, kind of what you were saying. Yeah. All right. Uh, the second one is something we didn't get to really talk about. And he says thoughts on Joseph. There was a play where he got the ball mm-hmm. over the top and I was expecting slash hoping for a sprint to goal. And either he made a bad decision or couldn't make the run, but he laid it off to a support player. That was sort of disheartening. And I get what we're saying here, but I think Joe Patrick did somewhere along the way here where everyone started looking at Joseph's physical ability after his ACL tear. Did we start to misremember Joseph as this player that was always extremely physically gifted? Because he's always been like quick. I would never classify Joseph as a sprinter who was going to truly beat people to balls. I don't remember him chasing down a lot of the balls. People were kind of complaining about today. Am I am I wrong about this? So uh, so I think that there's two things. I think that he has been a sprinter in that, like when he turns on the jets and wants to try to get to the back post, he's been able to get there so often for Julian Russell's beautiful, beautiful crosses. Um, But I also think that that is not the same thing as being a guy who sprints around the field all the time pressing at a super high intensity that is not what joseph has been in his career and i think that those just two things get conflated uh to an extent just because they both involve running fast (laughs) uh pretty much (laughs) um so yeah i mean i think that like he has always been a guy that has you know he's walked around the field uh, you know to conserve his energy which is what i think we all have an understanding that that is in the best interest of atlanta united <laughs> as a team uh and joseph uh, but you know remember at the beginning of 2018 season when atlanta united won mls cup he like got into a confrontation with a fan who was like arguing that he was uh walking around in an offside position too much or something like that <laughs> in the tunnel um so yeah i mean i think that there's a lot of different things about joseph that we could talk about but i just think that what this game really crystallized was the way that his game has changed. And we've talked a lot about this that, you know, just when you get to your, his stage of his career, when you've had a super serious injury, like he had with his knee, things are going to just change for you physically. But, um, this kind of Joseph Martinez is going to make Atlanta United a much more difficult team to defend because uh, he's just multifaceted. He can, drop into midfield and do different things. And when you surround him with Luis Araujo, just like we saw in that first goal, I mean, I love that they scored that first goal the way they did because it just so clearly shows um, how a striker dropping off w- would work like that. You pair him with a guy like a, a Tiago Amada, who by all accounts will make runs into the box. I mean, that is going to make Atlanta United so difficult to defend. And Joseph will still have moments where he will drop in and, t- and then turn and sprint towards goal and then after he makes that sprint he'll probably just chill out for a while <laughs> but he still will have his moments where he gets in the box and tries to get on the end of something so you know he may not score as many goals as he did when he won the golden boot in 2018 but he might have more goals plus assists like more goal contributions overall if he you know if he's assisting the way he did today kind of reminds me of harry kane to an extent just like the way that the game changes for them tactically i think some of my frustration today was and I think you summed a lot of that up super well, Joe. There is a change in the way that he's trying to play, right? We talked about him coming uh, closer to the ball, essentially, right? When Dom Dwyer came on, right? And I think that's good. And I think he does have to tailor his game a little more now and is trying to actively do that. But sometimes in actively doing that, he overcorrects at points. 
I'm going to go back to another thing me and Felipe were grumbling about today. <laughs> but there was one point where he received the ball in a half space and had no one in front of him for probably a good five, I ten know. yards. I remember I remember the the this moment you're talking about. Yep. Keep going. And he one touched it backwards. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we like, went, just, dude, if you just turn. turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And old Joseph absolutely would have turned. Right. Yeah. And I think we can definitively kind of declare that as, as worse. Right. But it is correctable. Right. He just needs to kind of Mm -hmm. change mentality just a little bit there. I think. Yeah. I would also say um, that was in the second half, if I'm remembering correctly, like Mm -hmm. midway, like pretty deep in, you know, hardly into the second half. And, uh, you know, I think fatigue plays a role in those kinds of moments where it's like, I'm like, I'm there's no way I'm making a sprint from here. <laughs> so I'm just going to like touch it back to somebody. Um, and, you know, maybe I mean, I, he had clearly there's no I mean, if he knew he was as wide open as he was, you know, obviously, maybe that would have been different, too. But I definitely know the moment you're talking about. And absolutely. I mean, um, could he have been made some better decisions at certain times? Yes. Um would that improve his game? Probably like, you know, maybe if you make better decisions, um, but I just can't fault him too much for, for what he did today. I thought it was uh, really good. And again, I'm just going to point out again that, you know, with Dom Dwyer coming on, I think he really felt a, an own a responsibility to be more of a midfielder today. Mm. Um, so he just kind of fulfilled that role. Yeah, no, that's all totally understandable. And I'm not it, trying to draw too much from one moment. I, I yeah, just yeah. was trying to point out something that might be representative of, Maybe why people are less excited yeah, about they that see performance. That they go, oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Exactly. I think exactly. I want to say they were winning two nothing at that point, too. So just for sure, you know, maybe you're playing a little bit more conservative, conservatively than you might otherwise. And it could have just been like a little mistake. Oh, yeah, ever, like, I'm, yeah, I'm sure again, I'm sure when he sees it on tape, he'll say, in the, the refrigerator instead of the milk and like, oh, wait, <laughs> that's not yeah. how that works. Right. We all make mistakes. Exactly. I get it. I get it. Uh, Blue Gui ask i still have it's been like two years i haven't learned how to say this person in the discord name i'm not going to it says do you think that at the end of this season we will consider andrew gutman to be the best all-around fullback in atlanta united short history that is taking mm. into account both offensive and defensive contributions it's a really good question I should think. we go through the uh the top contenders uh yeah sure franco julian that's garza. it garza garza when healthy yeah so, so yeah, Julian, I, I would know, I would not like when I think fullback, I would not think Julian. That's Although, I mean, he played that wingback role, but yeah. Okay. That, I should have really asked that in the forward. first place, right? If we were including wingbacks or not, as far as like yeah, straight yeah. up fullbacks go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Garza Franco. Yeah. I think on both ends. I mean, yeah. Based on this. Gutman yeah, sounds like he definitely I, it sounds be. good right now, doesn't it? <laughs> in fact, let's just make that right now. Let's just say that he is. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations on, on 90 minutes, Andrew Gutman. You're already a legend. You already made like one of those like all time best 11 charts in like a day. Yeah. Andrew Gutman. Congratulations, speaking of, man. Speaking of Greg Garza, I saw a picture of somebody put on Twitter today of him yes. at the game, which is really cool that he was hanging out. And I love I was joking. I don't know if it's true or not, but I think we should just agree that it's true that he was just wearing his his, his own jersey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'd be incredible. Oh, gosh. Uh, love Greg. We have an interview with Greg on patreon.com slash yes, I'll go listen to that. And if you have yeah, if, if you're new, you can just go back and listen to it. The whole you get the whole catalog. So a lot of great Beautiful. interviews there. Uh Kevin Misk or Kevin Mix asks this. 
who says, can George Campbell start over Alan Franco? I just don't think that's a possibility, but I did want to point it in there just just for a second to talk about it. If we wanted to mention anything more about George. Yeah, no, I mean, I'd say no, but um, I think there will be plenty of minutes for George Campbell this year. It will be just I think it will be a good year for George because it'll just be another kind of steady progression in what's expected him from of him from the team. And then also kind of how many minutes he's going to play. I just think it's going to be a really positive season for him. And you, you never know how things progress. Maybe he would down the line. But I would say at this stage, no. Chrisessa asked a question that we should have talked about a long time ago, but I forgot oh to do we? it in <laughs> yeah. the in the main sports time game time. Yes. Sports prime game time. I forgot the name of the section. I forgot Caleb Wiley in that section. That's the important thing. Caleb Wiley scores cool. in his first appearance for Atlanta United. 17 years old. Unreal. I, I before this kid. happened, I leaned over to George or not George. I leaned over to we're gonna talk about George Bellow, I guess. I leaned over to Joe. And said he doesn't run like a 17 year old. Mm -hmm. He doesn't physically look like a 17 year old. He looks much, much more advanced. And then a few Mm -hmm. minutes later, he burned a few dudes and and scored his first professional goal. It was a hell of a moment. It's a hell of a way to cap off a really, really good day, which leads us to this question from Bressessa, who asked, is Caleb Wiley a dude? And what should we expect from him going forward? I'm going to definitively say, He's a dude at this point. Lots wow. of new dudes this year, but wow, I, I feel like Caleb Wiley is is a dude. Now, where I get scared with that is that George Bellow also scored in his first appearance <laughs> for Atlanta United, from my understanding. So we did get a little bit ahead of ourselves on that one. But Caleb seems good, man. I'm gonna put a little bit of cold water on this here and yes. just say he's not a dude because yes. I don't put out easy. But um, but he could be back. a dude. He could be a dude. He definitely could be. I'm just not willing to. to I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to put it on put it on him yet. But um, man, so impressive. So what an impressive kid just overall. Um, you mentioned it. You know, he doesn't run like a 17 year old, doesn't have those kind of the Bambi legs, you know, the underdeveloped <laughs> yeah. legs. Um, I kind of joke that's like every time in a scrum, it's like you're like, you know, just because you're, you're looking down or whatever, you're looking around, you always like, just like notice a, a soccer player's legs because they're so massive and unhuman like. And uh, except for like young kids, usually they look pretty normal. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Caleb Wiley is just different, man. He's like he's got like strength. He was bodying guys off of balls, mm-hmm. um, which was kind of perfect for the role he was playing, too. He didn't he had Gutman behind him, so he didn't have that kind of defensive responsibility kind of holding him back and he was just letting letting wild on that run was just incredible yeah that's one of the most unique things about it was that andrew gutman was still in the game and kayla wiley was playing forward yeah right progressing forward a little more anyway and it did get kind of cluttered a couple times i saw gutman kind of directing wiley a (laughs) a couple different ways at one point right but that's a super unique wrinkle that i didn't think we expected to see as kayla wiley playing in a more advanced position but he clearly excelled at that today it reminds me of like, you know how we've talked about how like George Campbell is way more advanced than Miles Robinson, like at their given ages. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's similar to me with Wiley and Bellow, where like Wiley is just so much more advanced than where George Bellow was when when George Bellow was 17, um, which is impressive because George Bellow was you know no slouch at 17 years old. But I mean, that's why Caleb Wiley is playing for the United States national team with, with the youth team, of course. Um, just because he's that good, you know, he's just physically developed has, you know, has the physicality, has the ability on the ball and mm-hmm. even like on the goal, you know, it probably won't get a lot of a- 
attention for the quality of it because it was just like a tap in or whatever. But the the first the touch that he took um, was very nice at a full daggum sprint to just touch it close soft enough so that it didn't go to the goalkeeper. It felt a lot like the opportunities Bello got a lot last year and then kind of scuffed. <laughs> yeah. But Caleb Wiley kind of nailed it yeah. on his first try. <laughs> which which could no deal. could mean everything <laughs> and could mean nothing all at the same time. Yeah. Which goes back to us prematurely potentially care- declaring him a dude or me, not Joe. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But really, really exciting. All the same. He's going to get minutes this year. He's clearly going to have some opportunities to, to make things happen. And how could you how could you keep him off the field at this point? And I, um, I want to say, too, I'm going to go on a limb here. I'm going to say that. Gonzalo Pineda is going to be the most pro play the kids manager in Atlanta United history. That's just a gut call right now. I don't know if that's going to be true, but it seems like something he would be about. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly based on today. I mean, Atlanta United played three homegrown homegrowns today. George can't two of them started George Campbell and Tyler Wolf. And that's right. You're totally right. Wiley came in. We didn't I mean, even talk about is... Tyler Wolf because he was kind of just like there today. I'm going to be totally honest. He didn't have he his did best a job. Game, I mean, he, but... he was. I kind of called him an engine like he he gave a lot of work, right? He, it was a very Brooks Lennon performance from uh, from Tyler Wolf, which is fine. I mean, yeah, Brooks Lennon gives you a solid absolutely. performance. Sorry. So that, that came um, across as harsh towards Tyler. I, <laughs> no, no, Tyler no, was right. fine. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I don't even remember what I was saying. So cool. We'll move on to this next question. Oh, then. Yeah, the ball does not know how old you are. That's the ball uh, does not know how famous old quote. You are. Oh, yeah. and one more thing on Caleb Wiley. I uh, just go to my Twitter, J Patrick 200. Um, on my timeline, I just posted uh, the an article that Atlanta United did the their behind the stripe series on Caleb Wiley's dad, which is a really good read. Uh, he's a local business owner of Oz Pizza, and they have a few locations here in the Atlanta area. So really cool read. And Caleb is in the article, too, of course. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. Uh, let's move to this from uh, Pala in the discord who asked, was Dom was the Dom goal a fluke or could he actually be a dude? Too soon to tell. I, I like all the dude questions. So much dude <laughs> yes. uh, happening in the discord. We had someone mention that we need a stat called like dudes plus to take stock of all the <laughs> dude based dude. actions. Caleb Wiley is an expected dude in my <laughs> in my opinion. Extremely <laughs> high expected dude levels for Caleb. Wiley. We love it. About Tom. Um, I want to okay. go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I have one thing to say about his goal that I will kind of side with Paula where it's like, well, I don't know if this is Paul's take, but like on the fluky part of it, he scored with his left foot. Do not expect him to cut in and shoot on his left foot. He, again, we talked earlier in the show about a chance that he had in the second half to score a great chance. Very similar opportunity. In fact, it may have been even better opportunity and totally fluffed it. Do not left footed. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, um, yeah, for that reason, I would say it was kind of, rare i guess that he scored in the way he did but i don't think he'll be a fluke in general like i think he'll score a handful of goals this year he doesn't need to be a dude exactly i don't, I don't think he will be a dude but i think he'll be more of a a, a contributor than than obviously cubo was right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i guess he'll offer more more than jackson i mean you know how I, many... I couldn't see jackson doing that today just couldn't yeah yeah, how many how many goals would it be like a successful season be for Don Dwyer? Five? I mean, I would five take five, five goals. I would take yeah. five. I'd take five yeah. in a heartbeat. Yeah, I was shocked he has the one. I'm gonna be totally honest because <laughs> again, he didn't do that for two years. Yeah, seriously, you know? no kidding. So we'll we'll take it. 
will lower expectations as well, but take these when you can, because they are obviously extremely important. You know, Atlanta United gets three points today because of them. Thanks, Dom. Atlanta United legend, Dom Dwyer. <laughs> Fun times. <laughs> Fun times. Michael asked this, and this is kind of getting in to the weeds just a little bit, but I did want to kind of touch on it a little bit. He asked if we could go over the roster issues, just as far as who's hurt, what the outlook is for them, and who's got green card visa issues. Still a couple things to resolve with Santiago Sosa and Franco Ibarra. Uh, we saw Marcy come in today. I think his foot is still bothering him some, and that has been an issue throughout the preseason. Joe, who else am I kind of forgetting as we go along here? Tiago Mata still working out visa issues. Yeah. Alan Franco so the, is somewhere. The, the, the Where's three? Alan Franco? Uh, Alan Franco was suspended for this game. He's got a red card right. against NYCFC. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he'll be back next game. Uh, the th- those three Argentine guys, those uh, Franco Ibarra, Santiago Sosa, and Tiago Amada, they will be back as soon as they get processed, which could be at different times. You know, it's not like these guys are necessarily going to get processed like all at the same time and they're all back. So um, could be Amada first, could be, you know, we don't know. But Santiago Sosa wouldn't even be able to play anyway because he's still recovering from a post or an offseason surgery for a sports hernia. Um, so he wouldn't be able to play. Same with Emerson Hyndman. But both those guys are likely to f- start figuring into the team after about a month or so. Santiago or I don't know. Was uh, I guess Hyndman will be a little bit closer, maybe because Hyndman's been doing some training. Um, so they're still a little ways off. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Machop Chol got hurt. So he's hurt. Um, Trying to think of anybody else relevant on the team. There's, I mean, there's so many. <laughs> um, but I think we should take that as kind of a good thing, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially considering what they did today. Especially considering what they did today, which leads to this question from Philip Jeffco to ask if Eruzu is out for more than a month, who replaces him at right wing? Also, who was starting 11 when team is fully healthy? You could talk me into Brooks Lennon. I was going to say Brooks Lennon. For the foreseeable future. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's like playing Julian Gressel on the right wing, you know, when yep. Tito couldn't play or whatever, you know, I'm fine with it. Fine with it. Yeah. Uh, any, it, any, any other options other than Brooks? Well, I'm trying Gonzalo, to think. I mean, you could do Dom in with two strikers, but Gonzalo mentioned the day he doesn't like to do that against back force. That was interesting that he came out and just said, don't like that. Yeah. I said, <laughs> okay, cool, man. Cool, 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 um, cool. If Almada comes back, then he would probably play on the left and, you know, you could play Tyler Wolf on the right. He's Tyler Wolf's just kind of a versatile Again, just workhorse player, so he could kind of fit in on either side. Um, yeah, I guess that's probably what you're looking at. If none of those players are for some reason available to play, then uh, ooh, well, let's know. be optimistic real quick. We haven't. Even, I, I'm not sure if we touched on this in our our big two hour preseason episode, which is still largely relevant. I think y'all can go back and listen to that definitely because yeah. it's two hours of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> took a while to put together right go back and listen to it on your <laughs> podcast feed but philip asked also who is the starting 11 when the team is fully healthy we can do this right quick it's always super fun to lay out starting 11s on a podcast which of course as you know is a visual medium <laughs> joseph martinez up top i say tiago amada on the left louise on the right marcy centrally with ozzy and santi Fuck, that seems imbalanced. Ooh, this is a good. That, I hadn't actually even thought of like with everybody healthy. Um, hmm. Marcy yeah, I think, Emerson, Ozzy. The the question is like, can can Ozzy and Santiago Sosa play in the same team at the same time? I'm yes. sure they can, but we haven't seen that yet. You know, we haven't. It, Santiago Sosa hasn't been playing, so. 
that's an interesting one. I mean, for me, I need, okay, here, I can I just throw out an idea real quick? Sure, sure. I know he doesn't like two strikers, but I think if he played Joseph and Dom up top and then played like a midfield of like Emerson, Franco Ibarra, Santiago Sosa, and Ozzy Alonso, we'd at least be the Philadelphia Union. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be very continue with your thing. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm gonna say, um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I would play a midfield three of Ozzy, Santiago Sosa, and Marcelino Moreno. And I okay. and the reason that le- what leads me to say that is that I just don't think that what we saw in the second half of the season from Santiago Sosa is the ideal version of him because it seemed like he was playing hurt. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that after the surgery, he comes back with some more mobility and we'll be able to be more of a central midfielder. For sure. And, and Ozzy's better on the ball than I think people give him credit for. Oh, you yeah. Know, I, I think people yeah. like see the whole attack of like, oh, he's the best defensive mid in MLS history, all that kind of thing. He's good yeah. on the ball. Right. And it's the, it, and it wouldn't the, be completely imbalanced, I don't think. And it's the Lorenowitz comp, you know, which is again, <laughs> right. It's it's correct in a lot of ways, but in, mm-hmm. in some ways it's not, which is his mobility and yeah, just his ability on the ball for sure. Pretty I'll basic setup Jeff. at the back but, in our 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 fall fake eleven that's maybe probably not gonna happen at all this year. I kind of hard to see everyone being <laughs> yeah. healthy at the same time, gonna be honest. I know, seriously. Gutman, uh Franco, Miles. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd say Ronald Hernandez at this point. I think I would too. In this team with with Araujo up on the right wing, I would want Ronald Hernandez behind him, not Barcelona. I'm okay with it. Hey, Ronald Hernandez, was that, the raw, okay Ronald Hernandez was the one getting the raw deal last year when he very well could have been playing. So just kind of how soccer works sometimes, you know. If you're healthy and you get in good form, you get your spot. And this is this is why we could solve everything with the midfield of Marcy Ozzy. that is tell me it wouldn't work i kind of i like it i like the way it sounds someone please someone please just try to look brooklyn in a midfield for like a game i'm gonna like (laughs) die being stressed out about this potentially being (laughs) career saving for so many people all right joe patrick this is not going to be career saving for any of us as in fact it could ruin our entire careers this is rapid fire puddinghead watson at <laughs> Ask Caleb Wiley, great American or the greatest American? Actually, the greatest American, Puddinhead Watson. Thank you for saving us from that molasses spill, Puddinhead. I thought it was coming right towards me. And I thought what, we were what, done for. What I read, Puddinhead, Puddinhead Watson, I think of uh, Elmer Fudd. Like, that's like the, that's what is in my mind when I hear that. Um, Elmer Fudd American. and There's like too many drag. good Americans to say one is the greatest. Uh, Jonathan asks if George Bellow was rated 6 out of 10 where do you rate Gutman I'm going to give him like the Pitchfork email album score of like a 7.75 out of 10 (laughs) I'll give him the 6.9 Bluey guy uh, (laughs) how how good was the crowd the FS1 broadcast really made it the crowd seemed tame and I assume that was just Fox's fault. Again, Fox's sound production is garbage. So weird. It was so. I actually thought sometimes the crowd sounded good, but then at other times it would sound terrible. Like after they scored one of the goals, I think it was the first goal. The crowds. It sounded so weird and muted. It was bizarre. It's so the frustrating. Crowd, the crowd was hyped. It was good. I'm desperate for MLS to eventually have the same sound production set up as what NBC does for for Premier League games. Yeah. yeah. Really, really, yeah. 
Um, let's see, Joel B asked, I thought I saw the Carvel machine in the hallway as it was coming in by the silver deck. Was Doug crushed to not have ice cream? And what's your fallback treat snack when the ice cream machine is broken? We actually did have ice cream today. I thought that was really, really good to hear and, and good to see, right? I didn't have any. <laughs> great, great, but great to see Carvel back. I just want to point to out see, that my know. fall... <laughs> Big signing. It's like a new signing. <laughs> yeah. The fallback is to go get a second plate of the actual yeah. food they give us, right? Because yeah. then you can just kind of take your pick and try to get as many of like the cornbread muffins as they give you as possible. Right? <laughs> yeah. Niall Actually, asked, I also didn't have the ice cream today. Nice. You also worked out after the game. That was that was big time. Well, only Very because impressive. you guilted me into it. You were like, I'm going to go to the gym. So. <laughs> that's what I meant to do was like, guilt you into it that was my plan <laughs> and sharing the information not to set a podcast time right Niall asked does Caleb Wiley have the potential to make an even bigger move to Europe than George Bellow based on today which is one game sure Real he was Madrid. on pace for 34 goals go. this year so if he scores 34 <laughs> goals this year I feel pretty good about that um, real talk I, I think yes but it's so so hard to tell dude is 17 I know, so, he yeah, can progress 17. in any way right yeah, the uh, answer is yes, but chill. Eventually he'll be in <laughs> Europe, but yeah, I'll, I'll agree with Joe on that. We think he'll be in Europe. But it tracks. Anyway, World Series yeah. champ Nick asks, over under 0.5 trophies, one for Atlanta United 2010, two. Also, which is most likely slash your personal preference? I saw a few folks just kind of in their preseason picks pick Atlanta United to win the Open Cup. And I went, yeah, that makes a lot of sense for some reason. I don't know why that makes a lot of sense. It would well, be very Sounders to win the Open Cup. Right? It would be something that's yeah. all Pineda has done. Yeah, I think they and might think go for it based on today's performance. The way you see a lot of teams rotate. And if Atlanta United has to rotate into a team that looks similar to what they show, what they put out there today, that's a team that can win against a lot of teams that are rotating. So I think the Open Cup is uh, is a good call over under half a trophy. You're you know, always gambling, man. You would say the but, under, but right. screw it over <laughs> over. I agree. Let's do it. Rubber Anchor asks, whose performance surprised you the most? This is a good question. Mm. Surprised me the surprised? most. Surprised? Sadich, maybe? <clears throat> yeah, maybe Sadich. Sadich was I really Sadich solid was, in a way yeah, that I, I mean, We haven't t- really to. talked about him much in particular, but actually, you know what? For me, it's still Ozzy. It's still Ozzy Alonso okay. for me. I just did not. I just He was just more impressive than even I kind of imagined him being. But oh, Sadich is a great call. He was good. Like uh, Kurt Castle asks, this sensation seems kind of familiar, but I don't quite remember. Is this what fun <laughs> feels like? I'm told I've, yes. I've asked I've, sources. I'm checking in on these. I'll let you guys know soon. I promise. It's when so I hear, funny. It's still here. It's so funny because I felt the same way. It's like, is this is this happening? Like, is this is this what it? I, I thought back so many times today to just like how much energy I had for this game and to talk mm-hmm. about this game. Mm-hmm. So many times in the last couple of years, I've left a game completely exhausted <laughs> right. just yeah, drained yeah. by doing it was one of like men in black red flash it just, yes, just exactly. don't want to think about this game ever again this was this was not that uh his no. dudeness says han shot first yes you are correct bad boy <laughs> says are we going to win the league i don't think so but it seems Probably more possible than ever yeah, yeah for sure yeah Ben Morales says, you think we could convince San Jose that Hasetu is worse than Gam? <laughs> That's brilliant. I think we absolutely could. <laughs> I would love to see a pairing of Remedi and Hasetu. Would the ball ever get past midfield? Who knows? Who knows? Stamper asks, does one need to have hair to be a dude? Clearly not. Joe Patrick nope. is a dude. Andrew Gutman is a dude. Ozzy Alonso is a dude. So many dudes. 
Oh, I didn't even think about Ozzy Alonso being Alonso being a dude and not yeah. having hair. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe, maybe I could be a dude one day. It's giving, <laughs> me, it's giving me hope. Speaking of hairless, uh, if you try, hard enough. We believe in you. We believe in you. Allison asked, where did Gutman learn to tackle like that? I looked this up. It's like the mean streets of like the western suburbs of Chicago. Like the really affluent uh, western suburbs of Chicago. I was going to say the mean streets uh, of Harrison, New Jersey. Something like that. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know about his upbringing, but he did learn to tackle. Good job. Whoever did that. Uh, Stanford asked, Andrew Gutman is the best left back in Atlanta United's history because Joe Patrick because he's bald. <laughs> Beautiful. And that was rapid fire. Don't see many bald uh, soccer players outside of goalkeepers. Outside of like Lenny half Knight of Lenny Knight's roster. Of people now that I think about it. <laughs> we got to get Ben and Blazers back out here for like a show, yeah, an expose right. on it all. Right. All right. That was a, that was a, a long one and the messy one, but we're excited. And I think we're allowed That's to That's how excited have, we were. We just went way over our normal yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. It's so fun to talk about. <laughs> Uh, enjoyed a lot of that. Uh, feel free to get us at any time during the week at Five Strike Final on Twitter at J underscore some Jones on Twitter at J Patrick 200 on Twitter. You can find us pretty much everywhere. Subscribe to the newsletter, MLSsoccer.com slash newsletters. Listen to 92.9 The Game, where you can hear Joe Patrick's sweet and tender voice caress you audio audibly uh, throughout the week. And yeah, anything else we need to plug right now, Joe Patrick, before we get out of here? Nope, that's it. We can get out of here. It was so nice to discuss all of this because I loved every single bit of it. Can't wait. Can't wait for next week. Can't wait for the next game. Let's get out of here. Bye, y'all.